0: Hello there and welcome to the very first episode of Beyond the Studio. I'm your host, Paul Nolan, and it is a a great honor and a great privilege to be bringing this brand new podcast to you. This is something that I have wanted to do for years. And finally, through NYT, I get the opportunity to sit down with a lot of friends, a lot of colleagues in the electronic music industry, and also a lot of people who I really respect in field beyond electronic music and the music industry to really help you become the best artist, musician, DJ, performer and human being that you can be. This is the purpose that MYT was set up for to help optimise the next generation of artists. So I hope you find a huge amount of value in what we're going to discuss because we're going to go deep into people's creative processes, we're going to talk about their production processes and yes, we're going to get a little geeky with plugins and DAWs and synths and hardware and all that stuff. Mixing, mastering, sound design, composition, arrangements, all of that good stuff, but we're going to go further because, again, the podcast is called Beyond the Studio, so we're going to go, again, a little bit beyond that. We're going to go into people's life stories. We're going to go through people's journeys into and through the industry, and we're also going to be talking about their mindsets, their creative practices, everything that it takes to be a successful, happy, and healthy artist in the modern electronic music industry. So every week on Beyond the Studio, you can expect a different guest where they're going to be experts in the fields of music production, audio engineering, sound design. They're going to be well-known artists. There's going to be experts in other aspects of the music industry like marketing, PR, management, social media, etc. But we're not going to confine it just to that. We're going to go into psychology. We're going to go into mindset, even personal and spiritual growth. So expect really interesting, long form, no holds barred conversations where we leave no stone unturned and we're not going to be afraid to get into some really juicy and really interesting and possibly quite tough topics surrounding mental health, surrounding our own mindsets and the journeys that we have to undertake in order to become the artists and the human beings that we know we can be. So with that being said, our first guest here on Beyond the Studio could not be more appropriate. He's a guy who's had an absolutely amazing and wild ride through the industry over the last two and a half decades and has experienced it all from incredible highs, through some more challenging situations and what this man and his partner are doing now in the fields of mental health is truly inspirational. I'm talking about none other than Matthew Bushwacker Benjamin. Um, Matthew and I have been working quite closely together Matthew has got a course on myT which is all about remixing which is called Remix Mastery and Matthew did it from a really interesting standpoint he did it from more the mindset aspect rather than stuff like plugins and the more kind of technique-based stuff. He attacked it from a very, very interesting point of view. That's available right now on NYT. And I sat down a couple of weeks ago with him and his partner Belinda as they have set up a new initiative which is known as Listen Up Therapy. Matthew was also just qualified as a psychotherapist and I think that's a fascinating transition for him to make. And he is all about service, he's all about helping people as well as obviously rocking the dance floor. We also recently did an incredible remix competition with Matthew over on our lovely partners at Hello Demo, and that was an astonishing success. The standard of remixes that were submitted were just incredible, and the winning entries are gonna be released in due course. So without much further ado, I will hand it over to Matthew Bushwacker B and his lovely partner, Belinda, where they talk to me about listen-up therapy as well as a lot of other subjects. Enjoy. So how are you guys getting on? Your good.
1: Yeah, we're really good. We've been working very hard on on the website and the company and all the things that that come with it, um, which is a lot. As you know, you know, starting out, starting a new business and, and trying to get all our ducks in a row and, and make sure that all these different programs talk to each other and that we've got our, all our kind of legal things in place and our, um, you know, our our message is strong and, and that we've got you know the branding and there, there's so much that we, we just do yeah. every day
2: just all the little behind the scenes stuff that when you're starting out you don't even <laughs> know how to oh, do it's the worst saying, well, isn't it we need this and, oh and then we need that we need this legal document so it's all that stuff under the ground that no one else will ever really see but it's it's been a big learning curve for us on top of our other kind of day jobs so mm. Uh yeah, but we've, the foundation's getting there. And it's just good to let things be off to a nice kind of slow start so we can fix anything
0: and then uh, we've got more plans for next year. Mm. Yeah. That's it, because it's a, it's a weird party, the year, isn't it? Because it's like you're in this kind of limbo space of we're right towards the end of the year, but there's still, like, a little bit to go. So I'm at that point now even into my second year with NYT where it's like we've got loads of really big plans, but we're kind of running out of road basically yeah. because yeah, we're, we're yeah. going to finish on the 17th of December so it's like you know we may as well just put stuff on the back burner until next year in terms of new stuff so totally yeah. see where you're coming from and it's tough at any stage you know because you have to balance like you were saying a lot of the day-to-day aspects with starting off something completely new and definitely mirror the experience that I had last year with getting NYT off the floor you know it was six months of just hard graft of being like you know buried in web development and (laughs) marketing and all sorts of stuff so yes we
2: have done most things ourselves we
1: have done most things ourselves the the things that seem to have taken the longest of are the things that in some ways you know should have should
0: have taken the least amount to find it. Things like getting the logo the right size to put on on email. <laughs> oh god, it's the it's <laughs> so that, that it's day. always that one. It's always <laughs> oh logo sizes as well, and it's the same yeah. for everyone. Uh, yeah, that anyway, is... that that's did
2: our head in? But yeah, in terms of marketing, normally I'd be like, no way would we start something before Christmas, but. Being the year that it is, and um, we're seeing this, I said to Matthew, "Like this is our awareness phase. We're just letting people know what this is. That's, you know, our main goal, I think. And then in the new year, we will start talking about our groups and other offerings. So, mm.
0: um,
2: in some ways, it's kind of perfect for that, just to kind of see some things in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's so, awesome.
0: for those who, who obviously, you know, are coming to this for the first time, like, explain to me what Listen Up Therapy is." And what the intention is behind it, and, and what the offering is going to be.
1: Sure. Um, okay. Well, Alinda is an amazing meditation teacher. She has been, you know, studying in that field and and, and lots of uh, other related fields to that. For pretty much ten years now, mm. um, very very disciplined. Has has had. Huge experience out in uh, in India, training with her masters, and uh, I'm, you know, as you know, you know, come from music background, DJ producer. Uh, um, five years ago, made a conscious decision to start changing my life around in a different direction. And uh, you know, recently qualified as a psychotherapeutic counsellor, while still doing my masters in in psychotherapy, and you know, have a huge vested interest. Uh, on a personal level on a curious level and on an altruistic level it, as to like why people do what they do what makes people tick what what's happening there where does it come from how can we change it can we even change it and we both have a very uh, a, a big shared interest in in the love of music electronic music and sound frequency vibration um in different ways that very much come together um Belinda's a massive techno fan I'm a massive techno fan and and DJ producer so we have have that shared interest and um you know I was also five years ago I did start to meditate every single day uh when I was going through this huge transition and really felt the benefits of what doing this practice every day um can bring so Listen Up Therapy, our company, is a com—it's a combination of, of Belinda's meditation teachings and psychotherapeutic practices. So we've got a team of therapists. There's just three of us at the moment. And we are offering, not at the same time, but complementary to each other. We're offering the meditation and the therapy. And we're offering it to people in creative industries, music, media, and the related businesses, based on our our own life experiences, our own stories and journeys around the ups and downs, and the roller coasters of those industries in different ways, and our own experiences uh, with creativity, with blocks, with all the mental health uh, related aspects of you know how we experience ourselves, how we experience others, and and how to ground in and be able to make positive changes in your lives that can profoundly make a difference to how you live. And so we both come from, you know, very different angles on this, but there's a huge crossover. So we believe that, you know, meditation and therapy are extremely complementary. And I've had personal experience of that from being in therapy, in counseling, group counseling and meditation every day. Belinda's had, Huge experience of that, which I'm sure she'll tell you a lot about as well, with her own meditation practices, the disciplines that she's been shown through her teachings with her mentors, and and you know, 18 months ago we we started talking about this idea of of, of bringing these things together, and how can we help people? So that's uh, that's what it's all about.
0: Mm, that's amazing and such a. Uh a pivotal time to launch something like this as well, because of obviously everything that's going on in the world, you know, uh, we obviously don't need to go into too much detail about about that, you know, at the time of, of this recording. But it's so essential to have these kinds of facilities. And from my own perspective of working in artist development, as you know, and supporting artists through this year, which has been, you know, really challenging and really rewarding in equal measure, but also from my own background of being a sound therapist as well, and having that qualification and having that understanding, and uh, it, I was just sort of wryly grinning to myself when you were talking about Matthew about uh, qualifying as uh, as as a therapist. Uh, I just found out this afternoon. I've just qualified as a Yin Yoga teacher, so we are we have it we're having a you know it's it's celebrations all around today so it's it's great because to have this conversation with other people who are on that same kind of train of thought of like how do we integrate all of this together and how do we provide maximum benefit for people is is absolutely amazing and and again just one thing i would say in in addition for me it's great to finally have somewhere where i can direct an artist if they need something that is like a little bit beyond my pay grade. If you get what I mean, if I'm encountering an artist who really has some profound things that need a little bit more of a professional touch and a bit more of a professional clinical, you know, proper proper approach, then we've not had that before in the industry up until now with a specialisation within the music industry by people from the music industry for people in the music industry and I just want to take a second to kind of really applaud and give a lot of credit to you two for what you're both doing. I think it's it's really vitally important. Yeah, yeah. That, thanks, Paul. And,
1: and that is really important and, and I think it's, it's important as well to, to know that the music industry is very large but it's also still got its own niche and although the music industry is is the kind of the, the initial main focus there are you know um, lots and lots of other different ways of, of of being creative that people have as hobbies as jobs or just as passions or you know and the likes and there's something about how people how people work creatively and and how they experience the world that comes with its own set of common issues and, and a lot of them are to do with self-esteem, a lot of them are to do with self-worth, and a lot of them are to do with uh, with uh, feeling less than creative blocks, you know, so although music industry is the, you know, this sp- specific based on where I've come from, the most important thing for us is, is understanding what some of those things are and, and and you know how we can explore them mm. with our clients and with people that come to us and you know and i think with with the meditation and particularly with the way that Belinda shares and teaches meditation and explains it and guides people you know that grounding in that that knowledge and awareness of how to how to look inside rather than just everything being outside and how to experience that how to experience your awareness and how that can benefit so many of the the things that that creative people struggle with I think it is huge and and I think that's why it doesn't have to be Belinda doesn't have to have come from specifically a music background as do you know some of our therapists although though some of them are but you know it's really about that understanding of you know what comes with you know the difficult side of of being human, and
0: yeah. how the
1: creativity plays into
0: that. Mm, yeah, massively, and you know it's it's such a, an amazing kind of transition for for you in particular, Matthew. Because obviously you're so well known for you know your your musical endeavours and touring the world and everything. So I'm I'm really fascinated about you know what was the the catalyst for this. Quite interesting move in a more therapeutic direction what was the what was the main driver behind it was there a particular moment that you felt like a new direction was opening up for you or was it just something that has always been on your mind so to speak
1: uh there was there was a, a very exact specific particular moment in fact um which I can't say about a lot of things but but this i can um so in in 2017, um, I decided that I was going to take an entire year off, off social media and and write journal every single day, uh, which then started to become a book, uh, which will get finished one day. Nevertheless, um, in the very early stages of that journaling, it was mid to mid to end of January 2017. I. I, I remember very vividly I wrote in my journal random thought, I've just seen myself sitting in a room in a chair with somebody else with a load of books behind me, talking to them about some of their issues maybe I should train to become a psychologist and that was the beginning that, it was, it was, I, I'm actually sitting in that room now, you can't see the books, if I was sitting in the chair to my left all the books would be behind me. That's what I saw, and it now exists. It went from just a vision to what actually exists. And this is the room I sit in and talk to people. Of course, with the dreaded COVID and, you know, everything going online, um, people aren't actually sitting in this room yet. But nevertheless, that's where it started. And, you know, the precursor to that was, was me changing my life from sort of issues around... know addiction to to becoming clean and sober in in 2015 and staying clean and sober and and part of that was getting lots of personal therapy lots of counseling one-to-one group counseling cognitive behavioral therapy mindfulness meditation yoga nidra all of it so i was shown all of that stuff in the summer of 2015 and I never looked back. I never stopped being interested in, or you know, many of those things. Still, to, still to this day.
0: Amazing, amazing. I mean, it's an incredible journey. It really, really is, and a, a very inspiring thing to kind of see someone in your position, like really, kind of turn towards service the way that you have, and being able to use your experiences of an incredibly, you know, incredibly successful life in music, which as you know and i know from my own time in the industry as well that you know it's it's not without its problems and it's not without its pitfalls to be able to use that in a very positive way to ensure that people don't have to go through what 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 you went through what i went through subjectively in my own way and what a lot of people in the industry have been really really struggling with in recent years so you know it's an amazing thing i just want to um ask belinda as well about what her journey's been like and what the origin point in terms of obviously matthew mentioned you've been teaching meditation now for about 10 years like how did you come into that was it something that you naturally kind of flowed into or was it something that you kind of stumbled across
2: um i did kind of naturally flow into it but after a really dark place which is not an uncommon story for Mm. a lot of people when they come onto the spiritual path you get to that point where you kind of get um sick of your life in certain ways and my life before meditation you know on paper looked amazing uh, like for many people but i really felt something was missing inside, and it kind of led me on a bit of an eat, pray, love story, which I won't go into. But um, I have met some amazing teachers along the way. And um, when I found meditation, it also uh, kind of aligned with uh, you know giving up drugs and alcohol coming into sobriety, not from a place of I want to drop these things, but from a place of I really don't feel like I need them anymore. Um, I've always been into electronic music. So after I had my kind of, um, it was two years actually in South America and in India, I'm going really deep into the learnings. I was ready for a good party again. <laughs> and um, yeah, cause this was like eight years ago. So then I would still go out. I, would, I lived in Berlin for six months and I'd go to Berghain and dance. And it became like a meditation for me almost those days and um really brought together my passion for meditation and music and i even i teach uh, meditation to electronic music that's one of uh, my classes one of my many offerings and i've just felt really um passionate to share what for me has been the greatest gift ever (laughs) learning how to resource from within rather than always feeling empty inside and looking outside for the next thing to kind of fill me up mm. and mm. yeah. And then it was in um, 2018 that I met Matthew in Ibiza um, and yeah, he was studying psychotherapy and I was doing the meditation. And as he said, our combined love of music, he's helped me with some charts for the electronic music meditation and um yeah, we just knew that all these things together would really help people. And even though I'm like, obviously not a DJ, just having all those nights of either being out sober, or being with Matthew when he's DJing, and just really understanding what's needed for self-care the next day in those times. I think one of the the best things I learned in India was like, you know, they talked about all the different bodies we have, like physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, When we hurt our physical body, we're so quick to like, oh, I'm going to go to the doctor and get it fixed. But if we have an emotional wound or a mental one or a spiritual one, we just let it fester and Mm. we never really get care with that. And even after we go out for a night, we don't really look after our energetic body the next day or our mental body. We might have a green juice or a smoothie to try to get us back on track. So, um, yeah, after we'd been out, (laughs) I'd be like, okay, come on, let's do a meditation. Let's get our energy back and... Um, yeah, so we had ideas for all these different kinds of self-care tools that would be really useful for creatives.
0: Mm. No, it's amazing. And it's, it's really, it echoes my own story as well because even though I've been completely sober in terms of drug use and my um, musical career, And even going out, like, to this day, I still haven't actually had any form of recreational drug at all in my life. Um, I still found it very, very challenging in a lot of different ways. And it's amazing to me that, you know, I've, I've had, like, a lot of people say to me, well, you know, if you weren't caning it so much, you wouldn't be struggling. And it's like, well, I've never actually taken any of that stuff. So uh, that that whole argument is just completely irrelevant like so it it's interesting for me because my whole story is very very similar in terms of exhaustion burnout internal issues and like you say because it's easy and because it's such a an obvious thing to do you know I'll take myself off down to the cafe and I'll have a green juice and I'll have a I'll have a sleep in and yeah you know, I'll have a coffee and I'll feel fine it's it's the internal things that we don't see that are the things that often need the most attention and mm. it's it's really heartening to me now that we're starting to get to this point where we're starting to have more open conversations about that and what that means in the context of the music industry and in particular in the electronic music industry but I'm really interested in say for example if there's somebody coming to this who's absolutely brand new who hasn't had the benefit of you know years of meditation training like your good self or you know psychotherapy training like Matthew or being a yoga geek for seven and a half years like I have like what are the main tools that would help people not only in the context of their musical lives when things are eventually going to open up again But especially now, because obviously we're going through lockdown still and stuff like that, and that's a very particularly challenging time. For someone who's completely new to therapy in general and this whole path, what would be the main things that you would say, where's the main starting point? Well, it's a very broad question, I, I, you know...
1: it really depends on on what what they might be experiencing as well. Um, one of the things that I've experienced, just taking it away from therapy, is that and taking it back to Belinda really. And you no, know, you know, I don't do this all the time. Um, but what I've experienced is when I do meditate regularly, when I do, even if it's even if it's just ten minutes and when i allow myself to let the thoughts come without feeling like i've failed because they do come and they you know they, they're going to come no matter what but you know when when i'm I, I okay enough with myself about that you know and i do start doing it regularly you know it's, it, it, things start to change subtly for for me in terms of just you know i'm a little bit sharper everything's a little bit clearer you know, I'm just a little bit calmer, a little bit more grounded, and you know, it, it can be baby steps in the beginning. And I think a lot. Of, one of the things for people that are brand new, that they give up very, they can give up very quickly, very, you know, very easily. They'll they'll give it a go, and then you know, maybe they'll be like, oh, I can't do this. Um, you know, my my thoughts keep coming up. I'm still thinking. I'm not, you know, or. You know, it, you know, it's not working. And uh, you know, I, I know other people that have done it, but they've they've been doing it while they're in bed, lying down, and they've they just fallen asleep. You know, and <laughs> they, they think that they've sussed it. And uh, you know, so th- th- there are there are those things. But you know, Belinda can tell you a lot more about that for some somebody who doesn't know. That's just I'm just thinking about you know, in terms of therapy, what's going on for you? Have you got a creative block? Are you struggling to? To write music? Are you are you lonely? Are you isolated? Are you depressed? Are you suffering from anxiety? Are you uh, having difficulty connecting with people? Do you do you feel like people aren't listening to you? Have you got a safe space to talk to somebody about the things that you're struggling with? Are, you know, are there things that you're that you're not talking about that are that are heavy that you're carrying around that are, that are you know that are weighing you down? Now, are you are you feeling are you feeling hopeless? There are, there are lots and lots and lots of things that you know you might want to explore with something. You know, I, I don't want to try to generalise too much, but people aren't going to come come for therapy if they if they just feel fine and there's nothing wrong. You know, um, really, it's about you know how you know, can I have a neutral non non judgmental mental space to explore what's going on for me you know, explore some of those feelings, what they're attached to, and try to make more sense of, of what's happening and try to see things from a different perspective. And you're not always going to get that just from talking to your friends. You know, friends can be very helpful and advice giving is, you know, can be very useful. But you know, th- my personal opinion on psychotherapy and at least what I do is 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 it's not not coaching it's not advice giving there will be times when i suggest something to somebody maybe but really it's about letting the person explore what they're going through and maybe see things from a different perspective and try to understand what's coming up for them and why it comes up and you know it's too much to try to explain to somebody who's just starting out but if you're st- the, the baseline is if you're struggling mentally emotionally with any of the things that I first mentioned you might want to talk to somebody about it you know
2: mm. and people can make an inquiry through the website yeah and share um anything that might be coming up for them and have the opportunity to have a chat with you which I think is really helpful for people just to clarify things. Is this the right step, and are these the right people for me? Uh, so I think that's really important for someone if they're like not sure uh, about therapy and wanting to embark on the journey.
0: We
1: um, get quite a few inquiries that are quite broad. Some people do they write and they want they've something's resonated about a message that they've heard or something that something that they've read and. Maybe they want to explore mindset. They they do want to explore, you know, some of the things they're struggling with creatively, or or maybe some of the things I mentioned. But yeah, they contact us through the website. They say whether they're interested in counselling, meditation group group sessions, or whether they don't really know. Tell us a little bit about themselves, and then we arrange a, a consultation call to have a chat with them, just to just to see what it is that they feel that they might want. Mm. Try to
0: work out how we can facilitate that. Hmm. That's mm. no, a good approach, and you know, from my own perspective, I started uh, my first sort of taste of all of this was like in two thousand and ten. I want to say, yeah, two thousand and ten. I did some CBT therapy, and that initial inquiry can be quite awkward because mm. on an internal level, it can be very difficult to even admit that. To yourself that you actually need to go and speak to someone. So you 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 know, from my perspective, when I did approach my CBT therapist, who was a fantastic lady here in Liverpool, it was it was very difficult because what I was saying I thought was wrong was just not even my best guess. It was a combination of me trying to be as honest as possible while still being in a terrible amount of avoidance about what the issues actually were and i'm i'm just saying this for people listening now that that is totally fine like there's no judgment at all about how you approach it as long as you finally do end up in a space where you feel safe and you can have that conversation with somebody who is appropriately tooled and resourced in order to hold the space for you to have that conversation and to allow you to kind of play those processes out it's absolutely totally fine and that was very much my experience that within six to eight weeks of me starting the CBT therapy back in 2010 which was pretty much the start of my own journey to where I find myself today I was in a completely different place and actually what I thought was driving these issues that I was facing through going through that process it turned out to be something completely different. So it's important when we do first start out that, and I totally agree with you, Matthew, because you hear this a lot of people, oh, you know, I can't meditate, or I hear it a lot in yoga circles, like, oh, I can't do yoga, I'm not flexible. And it's like, well, how do you become flexible then? Like, I'm I'm just trying to work that one out in your mind a little bit. And so much of that is actually, like, it's it's a coded way of saying... I am afraid to face this because mm. it's uncomfortable, and you know I was actually on a, on another podcast earlier on today, and I was saying to the host of that podcast that one of the big things that these lockdowns has has really f- kind of pushed on people really is you know we've we've all stopped, and what happens when we stop is that we also stop avoiding. And then all of this uncomfortable stuff comes up. But we're not necessarily resourced to be able to actually sit with that discomfort, understand what that discomfort is, and be okay and almost embrace, almost become a little bit comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a really fascinating time that we find ourselves in. And again, it's a fascinating time for you guys to start this because you know, whether I'm being presumptive or not, you can tell me, but it almost feels like that's going to be part of the skill set for how people like yourself, myself at NYT, we're going to help people with is helping them to, by holding space for them to allow their processes to play out. Yeah. They're almost teaching people to hold space for themselves a little bit. Well,
1: we are, and one of the most interesting things at the moment, especially in uh, our working as a therapist is that i don't think there's ever been a time when your own experience that you're having in this in 2020 with this pandemic and COVID and lockdown restrictions and people keep getting sick and all the things that that can bring up are your experiences are going to be the same as a lot of the clients you're working with on top of whatever reason they came to see you in the first place. Mm. So there is a deeper level of understanding, you know, the, 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 you know, you've got this going on in a world, but you're holding the space. You need to be grounded. You need to hold that space, make the client feel safe, be okay enough for the client and stay with the client. But there's that understanding when they're talking to you, you know what you're going through even more because at some level you're going through it too. It's mm. actually really powerful. Mm.
2: And I think the whole the whole lockdown pause is almost like a, a fractal for meditation and meditation we still can be still. And for sure that is sometimes something people are worried about, sitting with themselves and sitting with them stuff, with their stuff. But that's why there are specific techniques and there are specific trainings to kind of get to that place in meditation. And a lot of the private clients that come to me, they've had the kind of unique situation that we're in now that there is more information than ever about meditation and spirituality out there. But it's also really confusing because people are mixing a lot of stuff up. So I find a lot of people are like taking little bits here and there off the internet and by the time they come to me they're like i've been trying to do this for ages i feel really confused i don't feel connected to myself um they might have expectations about the whole i shouldn't have any thoughts thing and it ends up (laughs) creating almost a situation of stress whereas in meditations just it's really about connecting to our deeper self it's about being our own best friend and sometimes All these other expectations and confusion around it, I think, creates a barrier where people think, oh, it's not for me. So like meditation, it is for everyone, but we have our unique ways to get there. So just as we like different types of music or we have different skills and talents in life, each of us will find different ways to really come back to that essence nature within us. And uh, I think that's really useful for people who are just starting out, just to kind of loop back to what we were speaking about before. When people are at home and they're like, you know, I don't get this. As Matthew said they might be thinking, like, oh, I have thoughts, I'm not doing it right. And giving up for my message is like, don't give up. This is part of something that we're all doing to come back in and really find out essence, nature. And it's just finding the right kind of resources to.
0: Uh, personalize it to you. Mm-hmm. That's right, and and you know what Matthew was saying about yeah you know, my my question about starting points being very broad. It it is very broad because each individual will find what works for them, and it's not necessarily what works for me or what works for anyone else. And I think that's where a lot of like the the word that's been used quite a lot there has been expectations, and I find expectations deeply problematic in my life uh to the point where i i have a i have kind of a saying where i say expectation is just pain that you've booked in advance uh, so i try not to do it as much as possible uh, and again it's like having these like unrealistic expectations of yourself of like oh i'm still thinking in this meditation i'm doing it wrong therefore i'm not good enough and then the trail start to go rather than just allowing yourself to kind of almost accept that that's where you are because we have to start from wherever we are right with there's no formal start line like i never went to like an actual start line where it's like okay start meditating from here like there's no 100 meters olympic final when it comes to meditation right or any other way of of finding your way into this so you know, I think it's really important for people to kind of understand that that's the case. That yeah. you know, it's finding your own way forward into it.
2: I mean, in in the kind of ancient traditions, meditation was the peak of the practices. You know, um, just to give an example of one lineage, a lot of monks would do years of training with yoga, the whole classic renunciation thing, which you know we don't need to do, by the way. But then they would. <laughs> Then they would do the meditation at the end or um, what I'm saying by this is a lot of them had a lifestyle philosophy that partnered the meditation and I guess that's what Matthew and I are kind of doing here in a way we're bringing in like that support of our mindset having someone to talk through working through like things and when you start to feel more settled in, in that way meditation becomes so much easier so mm. In the tradition that I learned, um, we did like the Eightfold Path of Lord Buddha. People call it Articles for Living. But if you don't have that, you're just you're not seeing things clearly. You're arguing with people and this is creating a lot of noise within you. So when you sit for meditation, it's like it's, it's noisy, it's messy. And it's a lot harder to kind of let the let the water clear. You know, we have that analogy of it being clear water. So. I think it's also seeing meditation as part of a whole lifestyle, which is exactly what you do. You've got yoga and everything else, and they all support each other.
0: Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's it's great that you mentioned that, that where, you know, p- people are still to this day really kind of surprised that yoga was developed as a way of preparing the body for long stints of being sat in meditation that's what it was meant to be it wasn't about you know being able to stick your leg over your head and stand on a (laughs) rock on instagram do you know what i mean it was like it wasn't invented for that but it's 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 really endlessly fascinating to me that you know we 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 sort of we, we latch on to these things and you know I I, I fell into yoga because I'm I've mentioned this before as well I'm like am a, a self-diagnosed exercise masochist and I, I love punishing myself through exercise like that's just how I kind of purge a lot of my problems and that's where like I fell into hot yoga and I, I've been very like on the scale of yin and yang I'm pretty much have been a you know fully paid up Member of like Yang Addicts Anonymous. Uh, So (laughs) it's endlessly funny to me that I've just qualified as a yin yoga teacher because it's obviously like what I needed. But the most important aspect of all of that is like it's the lifestyle that kind of comes with it in the outlook and the outlook of that sort of more yin element has been massively beneficial for me because it's taught me how to sit in that discomfort and it's Mm -hmm. taught me how to let go of tension in the body and then far deeper than that so you know I, I i love what you were saying before about oh we we so easily go to stuff in the physical body but things like yin yoga can be an easy physical starting point that can be a gateway into something far deeper so
2: yeah, it's a really powerful practice. Um, I'm, I am haven't qualified yet doing my training. So
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll be joining me in the club soon.
2: <laughs> and Yoganita, but they are. We are, um, well, most people are really disconnected from, from what is going on in the body itself. And we, and also we do live in a very yang lifestyle. So everything is fast and eventually we do need to find that balance. That like even when I saw Matthew touring and I, I had a lot of DJ friends and was in the music scene and I was just thinking like, this is just not sustainable. It's, you know, and I worked in a, a career before where I got burnt out. So it's just going back to the whole balance conversation with burnout and needing to take time to let the body decompress when <laughs> you're doing yin allows space in the body and, um, for well, the non-yogis, the body and the mind are really related, anyway. So the more you create space in your body, mm. you're creating space in your minds, which creates space with creativity.
0: Mm. Well, it was only modern physical medicine that actually separated the mind from the body in the first place, I don't
2: know why they which is that.
0: which is really interesting. But you know, for me, I actually look upon what we're going through right now. It's a very Yin time. It's a very actually, it's a very feminine time because we're having to get into the flow of things and be okay with the fact that we don't know what's coming next and we have to kind of just be in that state of well we're going to have to I'm going to have to let come whatever comes and I'll you know we'll we'll flow through it as and as and when you know with lockdowns and everything else that we've had to deal with and you know various other aspects but for me as well in terms of what this means for the music industry both on a you know on an economic level obviously it's not been great obviously but i look upon this time as such an opportunity because when things do naturally start to open up again which they will because this time will pass like everything else does we have such an opportunity to be able to kind of remake the industry a little bit in a way that as you mentioned before the way things were previously it's not sustainable on a human level really so it'd be interesting to kind of get your take on what you would advise artists to do in order to lead something approaching a more balanced and a more sustainable life as things start to open up again because the temptation is going to be for things to go back the way they were right
1: I yeah it's an interesting one I, 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 I also think that It will be different for individuals depending on what stage of their career and life they're at as well. So I'll start with myself as an example because I I can be quite accurate with that. I have found with everything closing and, and with the music side of my life in terms of performing, um, you know, I found it very difficult, for, uh, both economically and particularly a connection with with the crowd and being around people. You know, social aspects. But, but equally, um, now that it's been like this for you know most of the year, I you know I, I have a bit of an apprehension of of things going back to how they were. And, you know, you know that that feels a, a little bit like you know a bit scary. Yeah. In my end. But, but, Uh, You know, we could go down the rabbit hole of of how much of that is sort of government-institute, you know, government-evoked fears and, uh, you know, conspiracies or whatever, but actually it's just on a social level, because we're humans, we're social animals, we need connection. But when you've been separated for a certain amount of time, I think Belinda and I have spoken about this, there's something that happens after six months to people where... There's a sort of an inner frustration that kicks in, which can turn into into all sorts of other things. It can be quite overwhelming to to think about being back in that environment. Now, that's me, you know, sort of late forties, have you know been in music for 32 years. For example, when I speak to my son, his take is, "Show me the way." As the minute everything opens, everyone I know is going to be piling in there. They just can't wait for everything to. Just get back to normal. So, you know, you know, in people working in in music, uh, you know, as performers, as DJs, you know, everyone just they, you know that, that, that's young and hungry, just wants to get straight back at it. And you know the you know I want to get back out there and do things as well. But I guess I've, I've got a little bit more apprehension of what that might look like now. You know, there's, there are all sorts of you know, angles to that and you know talking of of different angles there's also it it, it can be a little bit of a daunting thought how do you get back on that ladder again now that you've been off the ladder for for a little while some of my uh successful dj producer friends that are kind of 10 years younger than me that just started peaking recently you know their biggest fears have been how to stay relevant how how can we stay relevant throughout this period? You know, and you know what do we need to do to do that? You know, so there are lots of different stages and levels at it, uh, of, of it. Um, but self care is really really important. And I think if, you know if you start a base level with the essence of, of of looking after yourself, look after number one, not in a selfish way, i.e., not caring about other people, but by making sure that a this term, but making sure you're the best version of yourself. Um, so that when you know things do open up again, you go back out there. You're fit. You're match fit. You're physically, fiz- mm-hmm. you, you know, you're you, you you're strong. You're grounded. You've you've used this time well. You have taken action. You've done something about how you've been feeling and, and tried to change it, rather than just sitting there waiting for everything to. You, you watch, wondering when everything's going to start again. You know, like you know, make sure that your your mental, spiritual, and physical health is is in good shape to to get back out there
2: again. Mm. I've seen a few people at the start of this year. One of them was Patrice. His surname, DJ. And, Patrice um, Balmel. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's so nice. Met him, met yeah. him a few times. But he did a post saying, I am recognising my burnout. I'm recognising that when I'm playing too often, I'm just scrolling on my phone on social media and I'm not productive. And he, in his post, he kind of, um shared you know what his plan was of like okay i'm, I'm only djing i don't know if it was every six weeks he was gonna have time off and he had kind of set out a personal protocol and i guess you know people do fear turning down a gig or having time off but then the repercussion of that is the burnout you do lose personal power like in my opinion if you go really to the science of, of energy and um Being a performer seems to be a lot about really being on your personal power and holding space for the crowd. And so having those regular times off in your diary, I think people who do that are going to see the rewards for it.
0: Mm, Absolutely. It's great that you mentioned Patrice because he's actually like a really good, close personal friend of mine. And he's actually done two masterclasses for us uh, on NYT. And he's, he's just a remarkable human being. He really is. I mean, he gets it in every conceivable fashion. And I think the thing that like that I got from him and how I've tried to approach it in recent years, post my own burnout, was you have to meet the industry and you have to meet life on your own terms. So, you know, for me, touring changed quite a lot. I went on tour in like Bali in Australia but I made sure that I had time in every city rather than just like, you know, plain nightclub hotel, plain nightclub hotel, you know, that kind of thing. And I know that's something Patrice has been very sort of aware of, so I think he's a great example of an artist who is simultaneously very well known and very well respected, but is also committed to retaining some form of balance. Um, I don't know whether you remember this, but I think we actually met for the first time last year at we Resistance. Met, we, all
1: met, we all met at Resistance. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 because <laughs> yeah, I was with Patrice that night. You were? Yeah yeah cuz uh, i went to see i went i went to resistance with pat to see him open for sasha and digweed and i you know we bumped into you guys backstage and the rest is history as we as we would say uh mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that, that that's a that's actually a fantastic example of how to meet with the industry at your own pace and on your own terms and i think that's something that hopefully a lot of people are going to take on board because as you rightly say matthew there's a degree of like anxiety about Things going back that way to an extent. I mean, yes,
1: but, uh, at the same time, in all honesty, I, you know, not everyone's going to want to do it the Patrice way. There are mm. different ways of skinning a cat, and you know, nobody that I can think of that's kind of quite young, up and coming, and you know, was on that ladder and, and had it all taken away, is going to want to take six weeks you know want to take big breaks you know they're all going to want to get back on, on the wheel again but it, it's what are you doing in between the gigs as well it's, what are you doing after the gig what are you doing before the gig it's not like you know it could be it, it, it might be a little unrealistic after people having had a year off being forced on them to start suggesting they take more time off. but but what it's about is how are you looking after your your mental and spiritual health mm. anyway what's your What's your daily routines and, and making sure you're not breaking
0: them. Mm, right? That's it. That's it. Process is everything, really.
1: And uh, you know, if you, you if you do end up playing at three cities in the weekend, then you need you know you need a couple of time days off to recover from that in between. You know, that, mm. that's that that's something that's very important.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing a big trend, which is really great around immersive wellness. So rather than um, okay, I'm gonna really work hard and then take a week off to do a yoga retreat or whatever like self-care thing there is it's really as you said like about weaving it into day-to-day life so you know if you're doing a yin yoga class in the evening you're like releasing some stress and tension from the day and not allowing it to build up so yeah i think as you said the self-care being woven into like when you're on tour doing things before and after gigs maybe before <laughs> And, and on the rest days, what are you actually doing for yourself? Because I think when people are young, you know, we think we need it less. But then, you know, you get to our age and you're like, oh, wow, there's a whole heap of stuff that I haven't dealt with or I'm a burnout, And that's because we weren't, um, you know, doing little by little when we were younger. And
0: yeah. One
1: of the great yeah. things is that a lot more younger people are approaching the likes of myself and others uh, for uh, with an interest in, in counseling therapy and and uh, other practices that, that will help them in in various different ways. You know, quite a few of my clients are in their, their early 20s. You know, it, it, it's really great to see that people are starting to want to deal with their, their stuff at a much earlier age now.
0: Yeah, do you think that's because it, we we've successfully kind of normalised it to an extent and we've been having so many more kind of, Honest conversations, or is it a combination of that and just the sheer amount of information that's now available?
1: It's not so be. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, just you know, just talking about counselling therapy, it, it's it's encouraged. Kids, you know, I think they realise much earlier on that you know the benefit of having someone experienced and neutral to talk to that isn't their parents, that isn't their friends, because you know when you're you know when you're young, young, you know. You know, friends. They haven't had the life experience to to be able to perhaps give you what a professional can, and, and people often don't want to talk to their parents because it's their parents that they've got a problem with. So, you know, they they, they often need somebody else to talk to about you know stuff that's, that they're trying to process themselves, and you know, triggers and, and you know like stories that they've had ingrained in, into into how they experience the world from a much younger age. So. You know i think the fact you know yes it, it's a much more open conversation now for a lot of younger people
0: which is really important mm. no, it's yeah it's really really important and you know I, I, again like i say because of the the openness of the conversations and you know unfortunately we've had some very sort of high profile situations that have not been great you know with obviously with artists like avici and, and others we could talk about uh, i think that also as well as maybe served as a kind of a wake-up call for a lot of people in the industry as well i've definitely felt that to be the case as well especially witnessing what i've witnessed with the industry kind of making more more efforts you know i work with afem i'm on their health uh, group as well i've been for for a couple of years now and i can kind of speak firsthand to the the intention that the electronic music industry in particular has around mental health which i think is is something that that's very very positive and I, I, maybe i'm a bit biased but i feel like the genre itself seems to be a lot more open to this kind of thing um than maybe other genres in the music industry um and it, it seems to be kind of leading the way to an extent as well
1: Possibly, but I also think that, you know, it would be easy to just think about um, the performing aspect of the music industry, but, you know, people like agents, managers, rec- people working at record labels right across the board, like, you know, behind the scenes, or, or, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, the the, the roadies, the, the lighting engineers, the you know, everything from kind of, the, you know, the ground level upwards, you know, to... You know, executives of major record labels haven't got similar stuff going on that, that they also need to kind of, at times, address and and talk about. And if they're not taking care of the same things we've just been discussing, in ways that are going to help them become more potent and to to overcome some of these obstacles and and to you know try and you know try and develop some of those areas, then it's going to affect them just as much. So. You know, much as, you know, the touring can be, you know, that's a whole niche of its own, really. Um, you know, it's right across the board. Mm. And I think a lot of the things that people struggle with is, is, is kind of, it, it's, it's quite ego based. It, it, it's very much the belief, the conditioned belief that they have to be a certain way to fit in or to be uh, wanted, needed, liked. You know, uh, to be to be important. You know, I mean, now unfortunately, there is a sort of, you know, it doesn't get spoken about very much. But there is, you know, there's a hierarchy within that those industries where, if you're not deemed to be particularly important, you're not going to get people to take very much notice of you a lot of the time, and that can really affect people.
0: You know? mm, no, it's true. It's definitely true. And you yeah, that that feeling of uh, you know not being enough. Mm. is is a very real thing and i think it's something as as creatives and as artists i think we've all felt that at some stage or another in our lives and it's mm-hmm. interesting you, you mention the aspect of things like creative blocks and stuff like that as well because that can be like a really challenging point as well i've just come through a a, a time when to be honest for about 3 4 months nothing came out Nothing came out in the studio at all. And, you know, it was only because I've I've kind of armed myself with a particular set of tools that I knew that eventually things would be okay. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. So, I mean, you know, Paul, I've, I've left my, you know, my recording studio, all the all the analog synths have switched on 24-7. And the only thing I've done with them is hoover the dust off the keys in the last three months. Hmm. I I keep thinking I'm going to get in, I'm going to get in, and it's just slipped and slipped and slipped, and suddenly another week's gone by. So I, I I hear you, and you know, I think it's really interesting coming from you know the perspective of listen up therapy Mm -hmm. and what, what we're talking about now with meditation techniques, therapy, creative blocks, all of it, just to own it. I know what it's like to have these creative blocks. We talked about this when I did my remix production course, the mindset, you know, it's not, you know, I'm I'm not a machine that just churns out music 24-7. I I have these things too, and that's why I know that I can relate to people that come to us because I still have them myself at times.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what do you think a creative block is at its origin point? What, What do you think causes these creative blocks?
1: Um, well, many different things. I think inspiration is important, and I feel that you know, personally, if I think about my own creative block, I think the fact that most of the time for the last six months, I it's been the same four walls or the same walk in the park, which is lovely, but, you know, that there hasn't been, you know, it's been a little bit of a kind of groundhog day situation. And I I felt like, um, you know, a little bit stuck with, with the idea of uh, thinking about club music, at least. I've been felt a little bit stuck with the idea of making amazing club tracks that I know aren't going to get played in clubs mm. because there aren't any clubs. So there's that side of it. But there's also uh, there's a multitude of other things that can be going on. So if you if you've got financial insecurities, that can be very stressful, and that can play into your creativity. One of the things I've talked about quite a lot in in other um, in other interviews is how we can use our emotions to channel that creativity. And if you know, look when you think about how many songs have been written about love as a starting point, you know most. Most songs are about love one way or another, you know, songs with words in them anyway, you know. But you know, how we can channel our anger or our heartbreak or our euphoria into into great music. And you know that that can happen. But there are other things like I said that like things like financial insecurity or you know, maybe relationship things that might be going on that can affect your creative block. And then there's that feeling of needing to, you know, needing to be as good as or to compete with or keep up with or be better than other people that are doing the same thing as you. And you kind of go in the studio, you might start making something and think, oh, it doesn't sound as good as that thing, or it doesn't sound as good as the other thing I made. And so, you know, it it can be quite easy to just kind of give up, really. And one of the things that I found is just play just go and play for the sake of playing don't you know it doesn't have to be the finished track that's coming out on drum code or whatever you know you can just get in the studio or, or get on your instrument and just play and just just allow yourself to express yourself with no motive you know and mm. i think that can be really helpful but again it, you know it doesn't always happen maybe what can happen for, for a multitude of reasons.
0: Mm. You know? I think they may be all for me i think they kind of get linked I think the whole conversation in a way is kind of linked back to to potentially like a central concept around safety and you need to be able to feel safe in order to be able to have the conversations with a therapist or with yourself about, you know, what's going on with you. And then in a creative sense, if you think about it, if you don't feel safe in, you know, economic terms or in a lot of other terms that we've talked about, then that creativity is not going to kind of come forward because there's not uh, unconsciously at least uh, a safe environment or a safe time for that to happen. So, you know, for me, I think it's interesting to have that conversation because on the face of it, they don't look that connected But they're they're very, very deeply connected and they're connected to that feeling of safety because, again, the things that we haven't dealt with that maybe we've pushed down or maybe we've repressed, they're normally feelings of being unsafe in certain ways. And, again, to weave maybe the ego into it a little bit, that, you know, for me, it's always been when I've gone to start a creative project and... I've either procrastinated on it or I've told myself I'm not good enough or whatever. There's these feelings and emotions that come up that are designed to keep me safe that are actually in overdrive and have started to kind of become overly controlling rather than things that allow me to feel safe in the the right way, if that makes sense. A lot of
1: sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I'm 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 obviously like really with what I do. I'm fascinated by creative process and what what triggers it and you know, there's been some I've been reading some amazing books recently by people like Stephen Pressfield, um, I'm reading an amazing book by Seth Godin at the moment called The Practice. That's been absolutely huge for me because there's a quote in that book which I'll, I'll I absolutely love, which I'll, I'll 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 give now, and it says a process, process rescues us from the poverty of our intentions, and it's that whole thing of the creative block can be diminished in a way if we learn to trust in our own process, and obviously trust requires a degree of safety. So if we can cultivate a little bit of safety within ourselves.
2: Yeah, I think that's the important thing, what you said there, cultivating it within ourselves. Mm-hmm. That we don't, well, we have to rely on just external safety. Because part of the the deepest gifts of meditation, if someone you know does continue a practice for some time, is that you feel... So rock solid in your inner world is your home and it doesn't matter what's going on outside you which we kind of spoke to before with even this time you don't know what's happening but i'm pretty sure a lot of the people that meditate all the time they feel more safe and relaxed in this period of life and then even within their creativity, I guess the safety is around, am I being judged? Am I it comes back to the self-doubt piece. And um, you know, I often share this, I share it in my meditation courses, I share it with students. It's really cultivating this energy, cultivating this relationship inside you, that you really have this solid trust that if um someone doesn't like what you're creating, it's it's not going to completely destroy you so I think that's the safety piece like if this person doesn't like it what's going to happen I want to keep myself safe but it's yeah it's coming back to that mm. that self confidence
0: mm. no it is and, and definitely meditation is a huge huge part of that there's a couple of things I always go to in this type of conversation where you know one of the things I always like to say to people is the, the you know what other people think of you is none of your business mm-hmm. and I try and you know i don't really I, I try and sort of not give too much credence to whether or not people like me or don't like me or you know anything like that i try and maintain that neutrality at all times but going back to creative process there's a fantastic thing i heard david bowie say once and it was in that because you know we had a gap of around about i think it was like possibly even as long as like 10 to 15 years between albums and this journalist asked him once so like, where have you been the past 10, 15 years? Like, what, where, where, where's the albums been? Like, you know, where's the music been? And Bowie very calmly crossed his legs, looked at the guy, and said, I had nothing to say. And there was absolutely no like struggle in that statement at all. He was just like, I had nothing to say. So I didn't make any music. Quite simple. And it's, it's a. So, so got
2: could
0: continue. I was going to say, when we do give
2: ourselves space then when the creativity comes it is something really special and really fun deep inside of us because we're talking about you know the creative blocks and where do they come from and overthinking and stress but um i don't think we've really normalized enough people's creativity cycles that you just shared you had you know three months off, and our society that values productivity so much They're like oh that's nothing but in another sense it's like you know the cultivation, the the time where everything is composting and getting ready for the next cycle mm. and preparing. Mm. And um, so he had 15 years of doing that. <laughs> that was amazing.
0: No, exactly. Yeah, and it's funny because like to sort of reflect on that for a moment. Uh, the the guy who we we selected as the winner of the remix competition on the digital side, Kurt from No Norway, I did a, a masterclass with him last night because I got him to break one of his other tracks down, which uh, believe it or not, in a track feedback session the other week near, near like like Patrice Barmel had goosebumps basically and was just like this is incredible, and he actually admitted on this live masterclass last night that he hadn't released anything in ten years. Because he was like, well, I was just, I was too busy working on myself. And he had that decade of composting this sound that is now bursting out of him. And, you know, he's he's doing incredible work. And that in that context, I, I love that kind of thing of like the creative cycle and you Know what you're saying about it being, I think, composting is such a good word for it because it's like you know, you make you and I
1: should uh compost for another nine years, yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, for me, I (laughs) think the word is ferment
0: more than compost for me, I think it's more fermenting, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our excuse, mate. And we're sticking to it, I think, but uh, but yeah, it's totally true because you know. I personally think, and I I have to have a real problem with this in the industry because, you know, we're we're being told a lot that you know you have to have tracks out all the time and you have to be constantly releasing stuff and, you know, I think it's led to a lot of a lot of stress. I think it's led to a lot of, if I'm being completely honest with you, I think it's been a lot of forced mediocrity because people feel like they have to release things that you know, in times gone by, they probably wouldn't have because it probably wasn't of the right kind of standard and it wasn't what people wanted to say. And, you know, to me, like, my own experience last year is I had a a very positive year as a producer last year. I had an EP out on Bedrock and another EP. And the thing was, I released four tracks last year on two EPs. And thankfully... A year after they came out, DJs were still playing them. And that is like the complete opposite of what we're told we should do in this industry now. It's like you have got to have a track out every month or at least a remix every six weeks and stuff like this. And, you know, I just don't operate that way. It's like I, I can't because unless it's completely from the heart and I I feel it myself, I can't let anything go out the door. And I think, again, in this in this ability now for this opportunity for us to, you know, help people to get the most out of their creative cycles as well. I mean, personally, I think, you know, a move more towards, uh, shall we say, like, not putting as much pressure on people to release music all the time, I think would help as well. And, you know, if we encourage people to maybe release a little less often they'll release much better music that lasts and stands the test of time a bit more
1: Oh, it, that's yeah it's an interesting one I, I, I wonder how we would encourage people to release music less often um, you know I, I, I think it's a very complicated um, scenario now because you don't need any help to actually get your music released now you can write the music on your computer you can release it on bandcamp if you've got a bandcamp account you can you can get it out there you know you've got if you're on that ladder with the performing and the dj and the management and the, all of those things that they are going to push you to do that and i think once you're established um i think you've got a little bit more of a choice there you can say well actually no you know um you know, you might say I'm only going to release one DJ mix a year on on, on, on SoundCloud, or, or I'm only gonna, you know, I'm only gonna do one or two remixes a year, or you know. And in that sense, I think you can. I, I I I wonder though, starting out, whether you know people would want to to release less music or not. And I know plenty of people starting out that only do release one or two tracks a year, and that's because. They're writing lots. They're not that happy with it. They they do only choose a good thing and then they want to press it on vinyl. They want it to be in its edition. They want the, the sleeves to look nice. The whole process takes a lot of time. You know, I think it, it's it's the, the music by numbers that, you know, are uh, crude that, that you can't really press the pause button because it's too generic. And I, I wonder sometimes on a personal level if, if, My desire to write club music has been slightly tainted by how generic music is out there in the genres of music that I like to play. And sometimes I think, oh, this just sounds like all the other tracks that I really like that I play already. And now I know that I've still got that creativity in me. I've still, I know I've still got that creative streak. But there's something about, well, I've already made things that sound like this, and all of these things sound like this and it should sound like this. And then this is where I get into my creative book. I fall into the trap of, well, in, in losing its purpose a little bit. Mm. It's like, well, it has to be better than the last thing I did. It has to be assigned to the right label. It has to be this. It has to be that. And some of the joy can be taken out of it. And, and, and you know, so I think really quality over quantity in terms of releasing music is is, is a good purpose and if every single person that is making music that is good quality did that there'd still be too much music out there so we're kind of stuck really yeah
0: yeah Yeah. exactly there's there's definitely there's no easy answer to that for sure Um, I think more than anything though like again around about that central concept of safety it's also being a little more considered I think, and being maybe a little bit slower about things and, you know, taking our time a little bit more. And again, like meeting the industry at our own terms and at our own pace, I think, is is going to be a huge way forward. But again, anybody under the age of 40, <laughs> unlike, unlike me, uh, may not take that advice as read and just wants to get back out there and hit it full throttle because, as Matthew rightly said, you know, with his son... I know if I was 25 right now, I would be chomping at the bit to get back out there, you know. Mm. No, totally. So in terms of um, where, just to to wrap things up a little bit now, in terms of where you're going to be offering uh, your amazing services and how we can go about finding out more, uh, what's the plan for Listen Up Therapy and how can we find out more information?
1: Oh, the best thing to do is to, to check out our website, first and foremost, and you know have a look around. We've got Listen Up, which is therapy, and Listen In, which is meditation. And uh, there's lots of information about what we're offering, what we do, who we are, our team, about uh, the meditation courses that Belinda's doing. We're also putting together our... Uh, group sessions for people very, very soon where we're going to be co-facilitating holding space for groups and we will be, there'll uh, there'll be different types of group sessions going on. Um, It's not therapy strictly, but it's going to be uh, topic-based. It's going to be, you know, very much connected to keeping keeping people, you know, with a positive mindset and, and growth through community and people being able to try and explore some of their difficulties and other people will be able to bring in how they've experienced that. And so we're working on that. So we've got groups coming as well, but Linda's also, um, got some amazing yoga need uh, courses that are going to be coming up okay. soon.
2: The meditation course, uh, which is foundational. So it's okay for beginners. Um, I have structured this course, a little bit differently from one of my others that I've had yoga teachers do my other course and still feel like they've got loads out of it. So it is from like ground zero up. Um and I really explain like you know the depths of meditation, but in a really friendly, easy to learn way. I've had a few people trial test it, and that within this course I really speak to how the meditation can help with some of the creative issues of self-doubt and creativity, so a few little hints to try and tie it into life because I'm really passionate about meditation is not just your ten minutes sitting with your eyes closed, it's, yeah, how you bring it out into life. Um yeah, there's a free audio and yeah, yoga nidras um we shouldn't get to talk about today, but they're amazing and I'm gonna have some of those on um, the listening upstrates.
1: And I would say just just on, on the back of that, although Belinda describes the course as foundational and, and you know, in, in many ways, that may not well be the case. It's also very unique and, um, you know, I've, I've done some of this myself and, you know, uh, Belinda's take on the way she teaches and um, mm-hmm. the style is, is very special and, and you know, I know there's a lot of people that have, you know, had a go, got an app, tried some meditation and, you know, either like it or don't like it. And then there are other people that, you know, have their own ways. And some of them could be, I suppose, flattered by this quite advanced. But, you know, we've spoken with people who have been meditating for years and Belinda's explained some of what she does. And they had absolutely no idea about those techniques. So although in essence, it's foundational, it's, it's a very unique and very special type on, on meditation
0: mm, no fantastic and you know i'm a i'm a regular meditator myself and i'm i will definitely be checking out what you're what you're doing on the course belinda because you know i think there's always more to learn and there's always more levels that you can go to and you know as matthew's saying just because it's foundational doesn't mean it's either unique or universal because again a lot of the times the most foundational things are the things that we need to keep in mind the absolute most and return back to those kind of origin points more than anything
1: and then if you do you know have a look at the website and you know just send us an inquiry and and we'll come back to you and we can kind of discuss it further and see what might work for
0: you Mm -hmm. amazing and what's the actual website address just
1: listenuptherapy.com
0: brilliant well that was very simple (laughs) you kept that one very nice yeah. yeah we, we yeah excellence excellence guys i'm just such a, a massive uh fan of what you guys are doing as i said before earlier on i think it's incredibly important and vital work that is going to help a huge amount of people and you know i'm already thinking about ways in which you know our members at NYT can really benefit from it because they're very aligned to this type of thing as well you know we've got a new program starting in January called the flow system and it's all about how to find flow and it's it's more than just a course essentially it's like an entire approach to a creative life and obviously meditation and, and everything else that we're talking about is is a huge part of that. And I've already um We've already started the process of starting to put yoga uh, lessons and yoga uh, classes onto the platform as well. So we are absolutely, you know, between Listen Up and NYT, we're, we're incredibly well aligned together to to kind of attack this from very very nice and very unique and very complementary standpoints. So from an NYT perspective, if there's anything that you know we can work on together, I would absolutely love that and you know, obviously I would be more than happy to recommend Listen Up Therapy to NYT members. And, you know, it'd be it'd be fantastic to kind of work a little bit more closely with you guys.
1: That sounds fantastic. My my mind's already starting to go into another gear now with a few ideas. And I'm also thinking, I know a really good uh, yin yoga teacher who just qualified. Uh, oh, yeah. I think, he li- I think he lives up in Liverpool somewhere.
0: Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate him already. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna,
2: you're gonna
1: <laughs> yeah. We could definitely we could definitely we need to do, do some wellness Yeah, you know, we could definitely do some stuff together. Yeah. And you know, we, we can also, you know, we, we can maybe talk about how that might work in the future. But would you know, I'd love to love to get something going with you. Yeah, it'd be great.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So yeah, thanks very much for your time, guys, and much appreciated and good luck with everything. And, yeah, just great to spend the best part of an hour and a half talking with you guys about this kind of thing. And, as I say, best of luck for the future. Thank you. Thanks so much.
1: boys. so kind of you to give us your time. It's been a, a, a total pleasure talking
0: to you, as always. As always, mate. Well, thank you very much. And that'll do it for today. And uh, I shall, uh, we shall both, well, everyone in the room here will uh, see you soon. So there you have it. There is the very first episode of NYT Beyond the Studio in the can, as they say in Hollywood. And I could not be happier with the way things have launched here. I want to say very much a massive thank you to Matthew and Belinda for coming on and launching the podcast in such style and also getting over their important work with Listen Up Therapy. And you can find out more about their work with Listen Up over at their website. That's www.listenuptherapy.com. You'll find the link to their website in the show notes. That's www listenuptherapy.com you'll find the link to their website in the show notes in the description whatever platform you are enjoying this podcast on and yes next week episode 2 we have none other than Patrice Baumel joining us and this was an incredible conversation that we did for our NYC AAA members last year last summer while we were all locked down again what else is new and it was an incredible conversation full of insight, talking about creative practices, techniques, little production secrets that Patrice has been deploying on his tracks like Glutes and Surge and many others you could name, and releasing on labels like Afterlife and Anduna Deep and Compact, as well as Mindsets and Patrice's particular and very unique journey to the top of the electronic music industry. He also answered a lot of questions from our NYT AAA members who attended that call live. And if you would like to join such events like that in future, then you are more than welcome to make 2021 your year by becoming an NYT AAA member. You can head over to our website, that's www.transition.studio. Again, that link will be in the show notes and in the description. So if you feel like you want to become part of a supportive community that has over 20 plus courses available to you including matthew's course as we mentioned before remix mastery and many more to come this year then it's definitely for you there's an incredible community built up around our courses and our live masterclasses and again you get to meet people like patrice baumel like matthew benjamin like Tim Green who we've had on the platform as well and many many others and it is all for a very low monthly subscription cost so you can become part of that over at our website like I say the link is in the description. Now you'll also notice we play music on the beds here on the intro and the outro to each episode of the podcast. And that is gonna be our intention going forward. And where this music comes from is from our AAA members. So today we are featuring as the very first track, uh, Kovu, and his track called Irukanji. And this is an unsigned track that will be available to be signed. So, again, we are a platform that is all about helping our artists and our community members get signed to the best labels possible. So, if you run a record label and are listening to this and would like to sign the track, then you can drop me an email over on paul at transition.studio. That's paul at transition.studio, and we can take it from there. So looking forward to seeing you again next week for Patrice Baumel. That is a hell of a conversation that is not to be missed. But I will leave you to it for today. Have a wonderful rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing, wherever you are. Remember, please, to stay safe, stay sound, and I shall see you in the next episode. See you soon. Bye-bye.